Hi everyone, this is Debbie Roberts from Property Apprentice. Join me today for the Week in Review where I'll talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. Topics for this week, first one is from Stuff on the 16th of May. South Auckland hit by steeper rent increases than the rest of the region. Topic number two on interest.co.nz published on the 16th of May. IMF says New Zealand's house prices have increased by almost four times the average increase across OECD countries since 1998. Third topic is something that was published in News Hub on the 16th of May. Complaints against non-bank lenders double amid cost of living crisis. Fourth topic, on the 18th of May, News Hub published, Economist warns first-time buyers will still find purchasing very unaffordable despite house prices falling. And last but not least, on the New Zealand Mortgage Mag on the 19th of May, house price caps off for first home loans. So that's a bit of an update on, on the housing situations from the budget that was just released. So I'll comment about, um, give you a bit of a summary about what each, what each of those topics were. And then, um, and then give you my opinion on them as well. So the first topic was South Auckland hit by steeper rent increases than the rest of the region. Now, Barfoot and Thompson's latest quarterly rental data showed rents in South Auckland had increased by 4.47% in the year to March. Auckland's average re- weekly rent was $616 in March, up by 3.19% on the average of $597 per week in March last year. The rate of increase is similar in many areas except for Auckland Central and in the outskirts where the increase was less than 1.5%. The areas with the most expensive rents were in the eastern suburbs of South Auckland where the average rent was $696 a week. Barfoot and Thompson director Kerry Barfoot said that one of the potential reasons for rents increasing more in South Auckland is because of the high volume of renters in the area. Strong demand has got an influence on rent through the basic of economics, you know, supply versus demand. Another possible reason is that greater number of new builds have gone up in the area than anywhere else and new builds tend to be rented at a higher price. Um, Barfoot also mentioned that higher rents tend to come from new tenancies as landlords with existing good tenants don't usually want to increase rent too much in case the tenants leave. Uh, Potentially, in my opinion, it's not so much that they're worried about the tenants leaving, especially at the moment with the rent crisis that we've got. It's the majority of landlords understand the fact that people are under financial pressure at the moment. And if they've got a good tenant, they'll do their best to look after them. But um, still keeping things up to date as far as market rents go. Because obviously if the tenant moves out, um, just because you've given a rent increase, they'll be paying the same rent somewhere else because market rent is market rent. The movement in rental prices in the first quarter of 2022 is low compared to the biggest annual increase recorded during December 2014 and 2015, where the average rent climbed 6.73% or around $31 per week. Barfoot said the increase in rents this year is likely due to the period between 2020 and 2021 when rents barely moved because we had that rent freeze um, at the beginning of COVID. Adding to this are other factors like the rise in operating costs for rentals, inflation, rising interest rates, compliance costs and reduced interest deductibility. 
Trade me figures show that rents have increased in other regions. Taranaki increased the most at 17.8%, followed by Canterbury at 11.4% and Wellington at 6.8%. Pandemic is one of the reasons why rents rose much slower in the inner Auckland city rental market, because obviously there were a lot of Airbnb rental properties that were just converted to normal long-term tenancies and with the international students who weren't coming into the into the country during the pandemic that reduced the number of demands increase in demand there. So um, Barfoot said that this situation will potentially be short-term as demand begins to return from those students, tourists and short-term tenants. In terms of property size, four-bedroom homes experience the highest rent increase at 3.84% for the year to March, which was $756 a week at Property Apprentice. One of the things that we're predicting will happen um, because we've seen this happen before is that in times of high inflation and high rent inflation as well we start to see the side effects like overcrowding in rental properties so tenants will move in with other families to help cover the cost of, of increasing rents when it becomes unaffordable and obviously overcrowding in housing is a situation that's not good for anyone it's not good for the families that are living in cramped conditions and it's also not good for the properties um, that are rented to them because there's extra wear and tear on those properties just with, with the increased number of family members that are living in them. So that we have got a rent crisis in New Zealand at the moment and in my opinion it's about time that we did something about it. Second topic for conversation is on interest.co.nz, published on the 16th of May. IMF says New Zealand house prices have increased by almost four times the average increase across OECD countries since 1998. The International Monetary Fund believes that macroeconomic policy will become necessary should there be a deep and rapid correction of the New Zealand housing market. In its latest review of the economy, it mentions that in the event of a sharp downturn, New Zealand's high bank capitalisation can mitigate risks. However, recent borrowers will still be left vulnerable to rising interest rates. So I just want to comment on that. Um, the banks and all lenders have tested serviceability for your loan, you know, your mortgage payments. They've tested that at a much higher interest rate than current interest rates. So I personally don't think it's going to be so much the increasing interest rates that's going to cause the issue. I think issues can arise if we go into a recession when people potentially lose their jobs. That's going to make things a lot harder. You know, um, yeah, people tend to cut back on other costs uh, if they if they're struggling to pay their mortgage, so things like Netflix subscriptions will go. Um, people will cut back on on eating out, all those sort of different things, just to make sure that they can continue to pay their mortgage. Um, compared to its peers post COVID nineteen, house price increases in New Zealand are higher. Since nineteen ninety eight, prices in New Zealand have increased by over two hundred and fifty percent almost four times the average increase across several OECD countries, which were around 70% increase. This trend has continued during the pandemic. From the first quarter of 2019 to the second quarter of 2021, house prices rose by almost 26%, and in some advanced economies, the increase was only about 11%. 
According to IMF's affordability metrics, New Zealand has been more strongly affected in comparison to other OEC countries. And a large part of that, in my opinion, is because we had a shortage of property. We've had decades where we weren't building enough and now we're playing catch up. New Zealand ranks highest in the Asia-Pacific region and is near the top among OECD countries in terms of increases in house price to income and house price to rent ratios since 2015. There's uncertainty with the timing and depth of the turnaround in the housing market. A sudden correction would likely have spillovers to the rest of the economy because New Zealand's economy does rely quite strongly on the housing market. We've got a massive industry that feeds off the property market from tradies right through to to lenders. Yeah, there's massive numbers of people that are linked to housing and the economy. As interest rates rise, homeowners, particularly those who've taken out mortgages recently with high home values, will face higher interest payments relative to their incomes as their mortgages reprice. So in other words, when you come off fixed interest rates, um, you're likely to be fixing at a much higher price. Although stress tests by banks suggest that most borrowers are likely to be able to afford this increase in mortgage rates, limiting financial stability risks, interest payments as a share of disposable income are expected to increase significantly. The IMF notes that rents have increased less and rent as a share of income has remained relatively stable, but the rental burden is high. And by rental burden, we mean that the household's paying more than 30% of its income on rent. IMF's data shows that the rental burden is much higher for lower income earners, which suggests that poorer households spend more for housing. The same holds true for Māori communities, which have seen higher increases in rental prices. To put this in context, comparing with other OEC economies, the rental burden in New Zealand is relatively high, particularly for the bottom 20% of the income distribution. In addition, survey data suggests that housing satisfaction in New Zealand is relatively low compared with the rest of the OECD, while homelessness is high. On that, I'd just like to comment about the healthy homes situation. So with tenants now who are renting from private landlords or trusts, um, private landlords have to comply with the healthy homes. The only part of the country that doesn't have to comply with healthy homes is Kayanga Ora. They've got a bit more time to get their properties up to scratch. So I suspect that the majority of the people who are now complaining about living in cold and damp houses, they're either in the minority where they've got a slumlord who's managing their property who will always break the rules, then hopefully they will stamp them out. But the others that are complaining about living in less than good quality rental properties uh, are likely to be kayanga or tenants. Uh, the IMF says achieving housing sustainability and affordability depends on freeing up land supply, improving zoning and encouraging infrastructure investments to fast track housing developments and lower construction costs. Recent amendments to the RMA and easing of zoning restrictions to permit medium density housing in all of the country's major cities represent a major departure from the systems in place from the 80s that encouraged low-density detached single-family housing. Increasing the stock of social housing also remains really important. While increasing overall housing supply is critical, 
given high homelessness and rental burden, particularly in the lower income households, it's also necessary to take into account distribution issues. It will become more challenging for low-income Kiwis to enter the housing market in the near term as housing costs have doubled as a proportion of their income since the 80s and home ownership rates have fallen while household debt has increased. This highlights the need to increase the stock of social housing and in my opinion it also highlights the need for uh, private landlords you know private landlords in this country provide by far the majority of the rental properties that are available in the rental market at the moment so we need more landlords not less and um yeah i think that the government increasing the number of social housing that's available is absolutely imperative um, as part of this balance. At the moment, we're spending a million dollars a day on emergency housing, so that, that's got to change. If you want to learn more about the property market and what's happening and how to get ahead financially using property as a vehicle, then feel free to join me at one of our free Beginner's Guide to Property Investment events, which we hold online or in person in our office. So check us out on propertyapprentice.co.nz for upcoming dates and register today. Third topic for today is the News Hub article published on the 16th of May, complaints against non-bank lenders double amidst cost of living crisis. Oh, that's a tongue twister. All right, complaints about unsecured debt have more than doubled in the past year. The Financial Services complaint said it's received about 20 complaints a week against non-bank lenders, a figure that's double what they previously had 12 months ago. Chief Executive Susan Taylor said the majority of complaints were from people finding it hard to meet the payments. They were hoping that lenders would put in some kind of relief package. Others complained that the lending was irresponsible in the first place as they were eventually struggling to pay for it. Taylor said many of the complaints they received were due to consumers' reduced working hours and changes to their financial situation. As a solution, she said that borrowers should speak with their lender sooner rather than later. If consumers hold off on paying their loans, they will be left with fewer options and they might need to pay default fees and accrued interest, which will escalate the longer they take to address the issue. For lenders, Taylor said the Responsible Lending Code outlined steps for them to take when borrowers were in hardship. And an example that she gave was in the case of borrowers losing their jobs. Lenders need to remind clients that they can apply for changes to their repayment amount and credit agreement. They also need to inform borrowers on what kind of information they need to assess the application and if there's any time limits that might apply. So lenders need to look out for people who might fall into hardship. And I just want to reiterate the fact that if you are struggling to pay off a mortgage or any unsecured lending, you need to talk to your lender as soon as you possibly can in the process because they will be willing to work with you if they possibly can to help you through a tough period. Fourth topic, News Hub on the 18th of May, an economist warns First home buyers will still find purchasing very unaffordable despite house prices falling. Now, Westpac and ASB have both released reports showing challenges approaching the New Zealand economy, and they're including a prediction that house prices will fall just over 20%. I, um, I would be stunned if that happens personally. They anticipate that this will be the biggest drop since the 70s. 
On the other hand, ANZ economist Finn Robinson said that ANZ's not predicting a fall of 20% like those banks are, their forecasts showing a much less drastic fall. So nonetheless, first-time buyers will still encounter some difficulties with affordability. And essentially, it's never been tougher to get a loan approved at the moment than it is at the moment. So if you're in a situation where you can get lending, there's some really good opportunities out there for purchasing. It's just getting that lending approved can be the the hurdle for a lot of people at the moment. So Finn Robinson from the ANZ, he said that the reason behind this is that people are reporting an inflation-adjusted number and inflation is very high at the moment. So this is why they were predicting the 20% um, drop in values because they're linking it to an inflation-adjusted number. Uh, So they're basically comparing house prices falling relative to other prices in the economy, which results in that 20% prediction. When you look at how much house prices are actually falling, then ANZ is predicting closer to a 10% drop, which is what is classified as being a correction in the housing market as opposed to a crash. So if you own a million-dollar house, that's closer to 900000 uh, which still sounds like a lot, but less drastic, he said. Robinson said it's not all doom and gloom, and homeowners just need to look back to 2019 when prices were much lower. So in their forecast, a 10% fall in house prices gets you 30% higher than where we were in September 2019, which is characterised as a soft landing because we're so much further than we were in 2019. Robinson said that he sees first-time buyers experiencing some challenges, but he's optimistic that they can get through this in good shape. Record low employment at 3.2% and fast wage growth means that household balance sheets are looking up. Now, on that note, uh, I think I need to do a podcast shortly to talk about how we're recording unemployment at the moment, because uh, we keep hearing about how unemployment's at record low levels, but it's interesting when you actually dig into the statistics around that. So I think I might have to do a podcast on that one coming right up. Even with positive signs in their prediction, he still thinks house prices will continue to fall in the next couple of years because of increasing mortgage rates, increasing building activity and a slower population growth, the slowest in in the last 30 years. So, yeah, my personal prediction and I mean, I don't have a crystal ball that works. So this is just an educated guess based on our experience in the property market. Um, I I can't see house prices falling more than 10%, and I think it's potentially closer to 5% than 10%. I'm certainly not expecting big drops in values. I think it's more of a stabilising factor, a bit of a correction because of the rapid increases that we saw towards the end of last year. And a lot of the reason for the slowdown in the market is because it's harder for people to get lending. You know, So there's less buyers in the market, which reduces demand and uh, supplies on the increase. We've got buildings being finished. Uh, we've also got more listings coming available on the, on the market as well. So that supply and demand side of the equation is certainly a lot more balanced now. Great opportunities for buyers. Not so great if you're trying to sell a property at the moment. Now, um, fifth topic, so last but not least, the New Zealand Mortgage Mag published on the 19th of May, house price caps are off for first home loans. So this was following the announcement in the budget yesterday. 
that will be helping people to get into housing by raising thresholds for state assistance. So this is going to be reflected in the first home grants and also first home loans. Housing Minister Megan Woods said that the government is increasing the house price caps for the first home grant to align with market values for existing properties and new builds. And personally, I think that is long overdue. You know, the first home grants um, price caps up until yesterday's announcement, most of them didn't work. They were, they were too low based on the actual prices that people could look at. So the, the price caps are going to increase. In Auckland, they're increasing from 700,000 up to 875,000, which certainly gives people a lot more scope. And they're increasing from 650,000 to 925 in Queenstown Lakes, and similar or lesser changes in other centres. So the first home grant is linked to KiwiSaver, for example. So, like if you've been contributing to KiwiSaver for three years, you could potentially qualify for a $3,000 grant. You have to meet certain criteria on the income thresholds. Uh, but all this information is readily available. If you just look up first home grant, you know, Google first home grant, you'll find all the information that you need there. And price caps for first home loans are also going to be removed, which is fantastic. So first home loans is another government uh, scheme which enables first home buyers to borrow much more than what they could currently do with main banks. So, for example, um, up to 95% lending in some situations, um, certainly 90%. So it just makes it a little bit easier for people with a bit smaller deposits. So in addition, the Kāinga Whenua loan cap would be increased from 200000 to 500000 which provides more choice and opportunities for people building, relocating or purchasing a home on Māori land. There's going to be funding available for approximately 7,000 extra first home grants and 2,500 extra first home loans available every year. So I think that's great news. In order to ensure that the house price and income caps are up to date, they're also going to start reviewing those every six months, which is a lot more realistic. The changes for the first home grant took effect yesterday, which was May the 19th, while changes for the first home loan and the Kāinga Whenua loan will take effect on June the 1st, 2022. To produce more affordable rental housing, the new Affordable Housing Fund will provide $350 to leverage partnerships with investors, philanthropic organisations, developers and others to expand the range of housing options for people whose needs are not currently being met by the market. These measures are done in response to hardships being faced by Kiwis due to rising prices. Some other complementary measures the government wishes to implement through its 2022 budget include the following. An extension of the transport fuel excise duty and road user charges price cuts for a further two months. That'll cost $235 million. Half price public transport fares will be extended for the same period at a cost of $132 million. Holders of a community services card will get this indefinitely. Cost of living payment to approximately 2.1 million low and middle income New Zealanders of 27 bucks a week for three months, which is estimated to be half the level of the winter energy payment and will cost $814 million.
The budget will also restrict supermarkets from land banking potential sites for rivals and then blocking them with restrictive covenants. The government's forecasting a return to surplus in 2024 to 2025, economic growth to reach 4.2% next year and unemployment to 3%. So like I said, I think I'm going to have to do a podcast on how they're measuring unemployment levels at the moment because I suspect they've fudged those numbers to make them sound good. So, yeah, it's pretty hard to be classed as unemployed at the moment. So watch this space for my next podcast, which will be on unemployment and how that's measured and what the real results look like. So thanks for listening today. Hope you enjoyed this week in review and stay tuned for future episodes. And as I mentioned before, if you want to join me live on one of our free training events, the Beginner's Guide to Property Investment, feel free to register for either an online training session or for one of our training sessions in the room in Ellerslie in Auckland. And um, yeah, I look forward to seeing you there.